Entrepreneurs can get stuck in their head, challenged by their thoughts, the voice in their head, and their beliefs. We chat with successful entrepreneurs who share their journey and the lessons learned along the way. The Add Valued Entrepreneurs podcast is edutaining, leaving you with actionable advice to transform your life and create a thriving business that aligns with your values and goals. Our conversations are for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life they desire. You deserve it. It is possible. It's time for you to add value. This episode is brought to you by the newly released book, The Entrepreneur Mindset Shift, Growth Characteristics of Success by Robert C. Peterson. Available on Amazon, or you can order a personalized signed copy at addvalue2life.com slash shift. My guest today, Avital Miller, is a best-selling author of the books Healing Happens and Practice. She inspires people to experience boundless energy, absolute happiness, and true success in order to live the best life possible. Avatel has been trained as a neuro-linguistic programming practitioner, as well as energy healer in prank healing and Ananda Level 2 healing. She has performed and taught dance internationally since 1993, a graduate of Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri, with a Bachelor of Science degree in Mechanical Engineering and a major in dance. She's known for offering beyond cutting edge wisdom with authenticity, delightful energy, and infectious joy. Avatar shares about the power of healing and movement. Her holistic approach to mind, body, and spirit taps into our energy center and seeks to release the greatness inside each person she touches with her speaking, teaching, or just creating opportunities for people to connect. Avatar, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to have this conversation. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, and it's such an honor to be on your podcast. Well, thank you for joining me. So typically, I just let everyone start out and just tell us their entrepreneurial journey and, and how they got started. I got started when I was about five years old, and I actually I actually don't say this that much, but since you asked, how did the entrepreneurial journey start? Some of us are, are bent in that angle. And we automatically have that spirit, right? And I think some people come in because they really believe in creating something and nobody else is. And I just loved creating and, and sharing and I made drawings. I am not a good artist at all. Um, I probably still make the same type of drawing that I made when I was five, but I had the entrepreneurial spirit of going to my neighbors and selling the drawing. Um, nice. Some of them even paid me for it. <laughs> they thought I was cute. <laughs> I think that's the thing about being an entrepreneur that sometimes, you know, service with a smile is a, a bigger result than, you know, always, always what the specific thing is that you're providing. It's building those relationships. And I loved connecting with people. That was just something I loved doing. I wanted to study psychology in college, but I also wanted to do engineering and dance <laughs> and just decisions had to be made. <laughs> and the thought process was that I would do better in engineering, um, which I did. I got very good grades. I was very good at the math and the sciences. And then I get a more dependable career that was higher paying than if I went into psychology I already ruled out dance as a potential full-time career, uh, but I just knew I wanted to dance. And all the logic sounded right to me, so I went with it, got an engineering degree, and was a program manager at Microsoft straight out of college. And then it hits you. How many of us know at age 20 what we want to be, what we want to do? 
for life, right? And I'm thinking, well, this is a great company, not completely for me. (laughs) And I switched into yoga and fitness and teacher training and being a fitness director. And I'm teaching 25 to 30 classes all over town known as an energizer bunny. (laughs) Then I started having issues with my health. My hair was falling out. My muscles were turning to fat. I was getting weaker than my students. And as you might think, you know, if your brain stopped working and you couldn't write and speak, Robert, you know, the nervousness comes in. Right. And you do what most of us would do. You go to the doctor. <laughs> Eventually, I get a diagnosis of Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism and given a high dosage of medication and then sent out the door saying, that's it for life. And I kind of thought, okay, if this is it for life, like an arranged marriage, then I better learn how to live with this partner in the best way possible. And I'm going through this whole exploration of reading, of going to different types of health and healing practitioners, of experimenting with trying different techniques and changing my diet and changing the chemicals in my environment. And I start stabilizing, which was the first miracle when you're on hormone medicine. And then I started meditating. And there was a joke that I went from medication to meditation because the doctor started tapering me off the medicine. And I'm thinking, hmm, interesting that this could happen to me when nobody said it was possible. Hmm. And then I'm meeting people. And you, do you know this, Robert? Like when you're buying a new car, specific kind, you see it everywhere around you, right? Your particular, your particular activating system starts generating that thought. So I'm listening for all of the stories of people healing beyond what's expected. Mm. And I'm finding out there's more serious ones than mine, right? There's people healing from terminal diagnoses. They're told they're going to die in a few months or a few hours, but I'm meeting them years later. So I had to ask the question, okay, this is not just my story. What are we all doing that is contributing to greater health and greater happiness? Mm. That's what you can control more. (laughs) is our happiness, but our happiness impacts our health. And I started interviewing all the different health and healing practitioners, got their stories that went into my podcast, Healing Happens, as well as my book. And I took that around the world, speaking about the book, you know, since the health issues, I've hiked up 14ers, I've danced up a storm. You just went to a big event that I've put together and wore many hats and had to have really good health in order to pull that kind of thing off and to, to be able to contribute to other people's lives. Uh, Hopefully this gives you a piece of that answer to that question of how did I start off becoming an entrepreneur and continue on the journey? One thing inspires another. When you listen to what's happening around you, as I mentioned, you also get these ideas of, oh, this thing needs to be out in the world. Let me be the one to create it. That's so good. I love the idea of co-creating, right? That we were created to co-create. And, and I think entrepreneurs take on that that co-creation at, at a different level than, than your average person, right? Because they've taken full responsibility for their lives and, mm-hmm. and their impact in the world. Um, and so that's so powerful. And then, of course, the, the healing journey and recognizing that, that my body can do things for itself if I let it. And don't necessarily need these these medicines to, to take care of these crazy diagnoses that that come up and so love that love that just uh, you know 
not necessarily directly mind over matter, but but in the end, ultimately, I'm a huge fan of Lynn McTaggart's, you know, The Power of Eight, which, you know, her entire journey as a journalist exploring the, the power of intention and group intention and, and the number of healing stories that she collected. So many, in fact, that, that she stopped telling people these healing stories because she thought everybody would think she was crazy, <laughs> that, that all of these things were happening, that she was a radical you know, believer in this spirit thing that's happening to all these people. And, and so I think more and more there's a, a level of awareness of our interconnectedness and a level of awareness of our body's just designed ability to absorb healing energy yeah. and, and put it to good use. And, and we can share that healing energy one person to another. Um, it's pretty incredible. Yes. Yes. Well, and I feel like really there's tons of wisdom out there in, in both the Western medicine and the alternative methods. And it's really about when you talk about co-creation is let's co-create the wisdom of all of these different paths together and understand more deeply what each one can offer and use it for that purpose. Absolutely. Well, and, and I mean, it goes back hundreds of years. James Allen wrote about if you study illness, you're going to get illness. <laughs> and, and you know, as a man thinketh. And, and so we have a system built on symptom care or illness care, not a symptom built on health and wellness. And, and, and so, of course, they're finding exactly what they're looking for. <laughs> just like you talked about the reticular activating system. There's an entire system that's designed to look for symptoms and treat symptoms rather mm -hmm. than look for causes and treat causes and, and help people discover, you know, this diet and exercise combination lifestyle you have is not particularly helpful to your body. And yet, yeah. obviously, our, our culture is not paying a lot of attention to what the body really needs as far as fuel, as far as, you know, uh, energy and sleep. And we, we definitely don't take very good care of the one thing that's vital to life. Yeah. Well, I'd love to speak to you a couple of the things that you just mentioned. Uh, one is about what the brain is noticing and how that, that manifests into our life. And of course, we've also heard about law of attraction. Um, I don't know if a lot of people know this. I learned this when I got certified in neuro-linguistic programming, that the body doesn't necessarily, the, or the mind doesn't register the word don't or no. It, it registers the, the main word in a sentence. And if the main word is monkeys, and you said, don't think about monkeys, right? Then all you think about are monkeys. <laughs> so if you really want someone to stop thinking about monkeys, you tell them, think about fish, think about fish, think about fish. And then fish becomes the key word that the mind focuses on. And then the other piece you're talking about energy, because one of the more common questions that I get from people is how are you so energetic? And that is one of the specialties that I've also been creating programs for because uh, of people wanting energy or at least having control over energy and then seeing that I'm so energetic and we want to understand 
what are the pieces that truly build to being a high energy person. Now, remember when we talked before, Robert, you're like, okay, I just had a meeting with Ken Rashawn and Michelle Ross and you. And yes, all three of us are high energy people. And that's why we've also teamed together to create collaborations um, because we know that we can manifest a lot because we're vibrating at a similar place. But we're also that energetic because we're joyful. Mm. Because we figured out how to find that inner happiness. And the, the, any moments of lack of happiness, that's lack of willingness. That is the thing that takes us out of feeling energetic. So that's like your, your biggest golden nugget right there. It is to focus on where there's willingness or figure out how to create the willingness. Well, I just love that because you're responsible, right? You're responsible for how you feel. And, and if you have the choice in how you feel, why why not choose joy? <laughs> right? And there's obviously there's plenty of people in our culture that are choosing to be victims. They're choosing to live in the vibrations of, of shame and guilt. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, obviously much, much, much lower levels of vibration <laughs> than, than finding joy and peace and, and getting above that line of courage. But I call it the line of courage because it takes responsibility. It takes courage to say, I'm going to own my life and I'm going to own everything that happens to me. And if I get a bad feeling or something bad happens, I'm in, I'm responsible for how I respond to it. Yeah. And so I can choose to be joyful in any situation, any situation. And so, yeah, but, that higher vibration and and the sad thing is once you're up there you're like oh i'm not going back down to those lower vibrations why why would i want to go down there i know i would want to go back to there yes you know that's like hiding in the basement with the soggy walls and the the drip and the you know you you just don't have to stay there right (laughs) you can choose to not be there and and so many people i somebody said it just the other day that there's just a lot of people that are comfortable in their discomfort their comfort zone includes that discomfort and even though they're complaining about it they they're not going to take any action to get out of there yeah i i really had to sit with that to understand it um i think it even goes back to uh, somehow i figured this out when i was 13 but i think because i grew up as a gymnast and then i was a dancer and we had health classes as a part of that and I naturally was interested in health and I'd be reading all these books. Like to, to my family, it seemed like I must be anorexic because I didn't want dessert, even though I would eat this huge plate of food. I mean, when you do all that exercise, you you need to eat a lot. And when you're like me, you, you do you know need a lot of fuel for this fire. Um, but my mom would always complain about her weight. And so I'd be like, okay, we'll go exercise. Like, okay, don't eat as much dessert. And she kept complaining. And finally one day I was like, mom, if you don't take action, on the things that I'm telling you to do, you are not allowed to complain to me anymore. I never heard her complain about her weight to me again. She didn't take that much action. She did take a little eventually. Um, but but I I feel like in, in, in all seriousness and in all truth is that um, we do make judgments about joy being the better path and um, and what emotions that we should have. But in truth, there's a whole array, you know, like just this flower with unlimited number of petals of what we can feel Mm. and how we can be in life. Mm. 
And, and the complaint is when you're not in acceptance with the choice that you've made. And so what I say, it, it's like, you know, okay, if you're not going to go exercise because you don't like it and you're not going to eat better food because you really love eating that other food, then, then just go enjoy that thing fully, you know, but, but be in full alignment with the choice that you're making rather than in this in-between state. And I love this because in neuro-linguistic programming, I also have a technique where I help people can connect those parts together so there isn't that confusion or doesn't have to be that complaint anymore. There's more understanding and certainty of, of which side do I fall on or how do I marry those sides together? Mm. Well, and I think one of the big challenges is our culture doesn't, there's a certain things they just don't teach us in school, right? They don't teach us about relationships and communication. They don't teach us about money. They don't, and they, they don't teach us about our feelings. You know, they tell us, don't be angry. Don't cry. Don't, you know, all these, these emotions that you end up shoving down inside you rather than allowing the emotion to do what it's supposed to do. Most of our emotions are signals of what's going on in our world, you know, and, and especially anger and, and pain. And, and some of those are, are really signals of something's wrong or something's not in alignment. And, mm-hmm. and you have an option to say, okay, I, I recognize that signal. It's like my check engine light. Now I need to do something about it. But instead we're all taping over the, the check engine light with a little black electrical tape and ignoring it <laughs> rather than taking action on it. And, it's a, and, it. and that's another choice. But if people are taught to experience their emotions, allow their emotion, that emotional energy to flow all the way through you so that it doesn't get stuck inside you. But we take it and we stuff it down inside and we keep all that emotional. And I think that's what's leading to so many people in these levels of anxiety and stress, creating depression because the brain is in fight, flight and freeze mode 90% of the time. Mm -hmm. And, And the brain's chemicals when it releases in fight, flight and freeze are completely different than the chemicals of joy. Right. And so, People are missing out on the dopamine, the oxytocin, and and the endorphins that we're supposed to get when we feel joy because they're stuck in anxiety and stress. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're saying so many wonderful things. But I think this is also part of you and I as coaches, Robert. And I'm guessing you've done the same, you know, because I see the joy in you. Uh, but it's it's like we we learn these tools and then we use them. And we realized how much continual freedom it gives us more and more that we're like, okay, like we could offer freedom to other people if we share these tools with other people. But the other side is every time we run up and I'm speaking for you, I'll speak for myself, but you might have this (laughs) every time we run up against a frustration the first thing is awareness. Okay, I'm I'm in a, a frustration. I'm in a conflict, a emotion that I'm not <laughs> accepting, right? Right now that I'm not enjoying. And I want to get to a state of enjoyment. Um, so, but that's the first thing is recognize it's there. Second is make the choice. Where do I want to shift it? Because every now and then I've been like, oh yeah, although I think it's been like 10, 20 years, but every now and then in the past where I realized I had a choice, I'd say, no, no, I want to revel in that pain a little longer. <laughs> um, so then I'd be like, okay, do it fully until it's done. But <laughs> but then we know what to do. We know what we could do. So then we have to make the choice, which Absolutely. of course takes 
take some of that willpower as well to make that choice. And that's what, especially when, when, and you know this, when you have regular clients, I mean, I do this when I'm working with a coach regularly, it's like, I'm keeping notes of what am I going to ask them next time? What are we going to work on next time? And, and my clients who are like, you know, getting the most impact out of things are the ones that come into the session and they know exactly what they want to work on because they recognize it. And then we can help hold their hand. So it's not as challenging to motivate yourself to make that shift. Absolutely. Well, and, and like you said, the, that awareness is the first step. And so, you know, one of the great questions for clients to consider during the week is, you know, what, what do you hear yourself complaining about? What, what are you stuck on, right? What is that thing that's, that's stuck, you know, and holding you back? And, yeah. and you know you're talking to yourself about it. And so being willing to say, oh, oh, there it is. That's, and, and, and write it down. And then, yeah, a coach is a great tool to help get beyond it and, or reframe it, right? Allow you to reframe it in a, in a positive way that brings you back to joy. And I agree with you, like, once you've learned these tools and, and you go a long, long time in relationship and in life without frustration and without having to, to feel like, I mean, it, it really boils down to, I know what I can control and I control those things and I know what I can't control and I let go of those things. And, and you know, it, 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 there's so many people that are trying to control the uncontrollable. Mm-hmm. And then they're not taking responsibility for what they can control. Yeah. And helping them see that and then giving them the tools to say, okay, you can not only control that, you can control how you feel about it. And yeah. then that gives up tons of freedom, right? Yeah. Well, I love this because I just had a phone call this afternoon with somebody basically calling me and saying, you can't think this about me. <laughs> like She's like, I know what you're thinking and you're not allowed to think that. And... <laughs> First of all, you can't tell anyone what they can and can't think because that's that's their right, their right to have their opinion, uh, you know, and, and whatnot. And um, but it w- it was in a way her trying to control something that she couldn't control. And I remember sitting there because I I could have contacted her as well to say these are the things you know coming up for me, um, you know, this is what I'd like better in the future, but. But really what I thought was, what is she going to be open to talking about? Mm. Um, And so let me just focus on that in conversation with her. Um, Like, what is she really going to hear? Uh, So that it's, there's a, you know, a difference there, but it, it was just to sit there and say, I don't need her to understand the truth about me. I don't need her to understand the truth about me. I am the one who needs to understand the truth about me. Oh, amen. What can I control? My thoughts about myself. Well, and then recognizing that that her, how you think about her has no impact on her. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. In fact, it shouldn't, right? That's one of the biggest things we as entrepreneurs especially have to get over is, is what other people think about us. Especially those friends that don't get it. They don't understand this the journey that you're on and and it doesn't make any sense to them. And so if you let their opinion hold you back or stop you from what you're trying to do, there's plenty of people that you're going to tell your dream to and they're going to go, what? You're crazy. (laughs) Well, no, their opinion doesn't matter. I'm not going to let somebody's 
that hasn't done what I'm doing, tell mm -hmm. me that I can't do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My yoga guru, Paramahansa Yogananda, so a lot of people may have heard of him. Uh, he wrote Autobiography of a Yogi, but he's known around the world for the energy and joy that he helps people feel. One of my favorite quotes from him is, circumstances are neutral. Mm. This is like an onion where you could just keep peeling layers and layers of understanding more and more of where something by itself doesn't solicit an emotional reaction. It's the meaning that we put to it mm. that then our meaning of the meaning that solicits the emotional reaction or the habit that we formed according to that type of action that is based from a meaning that we made. So I did this from things from childhood, you know, it's like things that happened with my dad. I just, I'd call him up and I'd be like, you know, I remember the situation. This is what I read from it. And it's like, it's like it, it formed my life. All of these things, one after the other, you know, choices that I made about myself and actions because of my meaning. What was that to you? Hmm. Ooh, that's a powerful conversation because even though two people can be standing in the same place and watch the same event, they both are going to apply different meanings to almost all of it. And when you, mm -hmm. when two people sit and recollect about an event, typically their memories are completely different, right? Their explanation yeah. or, or the impact that it had on their lives is, yeah. is completely like, were you even in the, were you even in the same room? Are we on the same planet? Are, are we experiencing yeah. the same things? Right. You ask yourself because, because yeah. really we, we all can experience the same exact thing and all of us would, would put a different, different, different meaning. meaning on it and different yeah. on it and, and take it in in a different way. Um, yeah. And I think that's one thing that, that so few people recognize is the, the freedom of everybody else in their own to, to have their own interpretation of, of what's happened, right? We think yeah. that what we saw is a fact, right? It's, well, that's just what happened. No, but, no, that's, that's what you, you know, you, your interpretation of what happened. Oh, I know. But, you know, when I ask my dad, okay, well, what was your intention? For what reason did you do that? You know, and you, and you think it's out of like, you know, maybe disgust of me or disapproval of me, oh. right? Or rejection of me. No, it was out of love. Mm. Can you imagine that? <laughs> just by understanding from a different perspective. You know, I mean, it was so sweet because he, he had no clue that I read it that way. He called me up every day that week to say that he loves me. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's sweet. And, but it's, it's it, the, the amount of healing we can have is huge. And what I will say to this also is I have two siblings. <laughs> you know, we all grew up in the same home. We're all very different people. We all chose to create different meaning from the same events. Mm. So we're also, I think, making a choice so that we can live certain experiences and have certain bits of growth. So don't don't feel you know mad at yourself or ashamed or anything for creating a meaning that, that isn't really the thing that serves you, because actually it did. Because what did it give me without getting, you know, deep into the story, right? It gave me a greater ability to love myself and be confident. Mm, nice. Through creating that wrong definition of myself all those years. <laughs> well, and, and those are the kinds of things that, that typically, you know, are behind limiting beliefs, right? It, it was a statement made by a parent um, in, 
many of them just trying to protect us, protect us from making a poor choice or protect us from doing something that they didn't think was in alignment, right? Or a parent that was in frustration and they were, they were operating at the highest level that they were capable of at the time. And, and at that level of frustration, they, they weren't capable of, of being, you know, being past that. And so recognizing that so many of the things that have happened to us were done to us by people that were operating at the best that they could with the tools that they had at the time, mm-hmm. definitely can allow you to let go of a ton of stuff and, and, and forgive, right? I mean, that's ultimately what you're, you're doing is forgiving that emotional tie that's, that's wrapped around your heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In uh, neurolinguistic programming, another statement or belief is that there's a positive intention behind everything. Now, I know there's some situations where that concept is too far-fetched to even consider. So just throw those out the window and don't even think about it, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> but focus on ones that are a little easier. And sometimes just understanding, like, somebody just did something that seems really cruel. Um, but what if you sat down and had a conversation with them and and found out, like, you know, that and I, and there's not, like, a specific example coming to my mind right now. Um, but what was the positive intention, intention behind it? What are they actually wanting? I think what I can say, um, because how do I say I... I, I do my best to keep myself pure or neutral in a way um, by it not not getting swayed too much by one side or, or another, you know, like by how I read news. Um, actually, I don't read news. That's part of what keeps me pure in my thought. But <laughs> but I hear it because I still love connecting with people <laughs> unless you're in a mountain by yourself. Tuning off your intuitive abilities, you're going to hear things. And and I love also, especially when I lived in California, and then and then I had my family on the East Coast. Now there, there's people in both political parties, you know, on, on both sides of the coast. But somehow I was caught in the stereotype where you know the the California people were one political party and the East Coast people were another political party, and travel between them and sit, you know, especially during election time at these dinner table with people and, and hear the conversation. Everyone wanted the same thing. <laughs> everyone wanted the same thing. They had different ideas of how to get there, but mm. everyone wanted the same thing. And that's pretty typical. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we all have, I mean, you think of guilt's, you know, levels of of need and basically all humans need these same basic things and all of us want you know the same the same basic things right beyond our survival beyond our you know we just want to most of us just want to live our lives and take care of our families right <laughs> and take care of our friends and it's, it's not that complicated when it comes right down to it um and of course it it gets it gets muddled because humans are involved so <laughs> Human. humans humans are involved we will be right back after this short break this episode is sponsored by the newly released book the entrepreneur mindset shift growth characteristics of success by robert c peterson available on amazon or you can order a personalized signed copy at add value the number two life.com 
addvaluetolife.com forward slash shift. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. Let's let's so let's talk about gratitude and the power of gratitude to change your vibrational level. Hmm. You want to change it in a moment? <laughs> Would you like to think about what didn't go well? <laughs> um, what you don't have and continue to manifest more of that thought, right? Or would you like to manifest? So there, there's a, a magnetism that we could put ourselves in. And we're also going to feel happier in certain magnetisms. Um, but there's an awareness of, you know, and I know after the Valentine's soiree, um, and I think also because like sort of one of the areas that didn't go that well, um, that person kept writing and writing and writing to me. Like every message was, this is wrong. 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 This needs to be fixed, 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 fixed. Right. And um, what's that? It's, it's not helpful. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. And, and I mean, what I did was I just called her and I said, just, just tell me everything right now and get it off your chest. So we can move on from this conversation. But um <laughs> but but I also allowed myself to sort of get caught up in that energy for a moment. In and it's like this this cloud over it. And mm -hmm. I had to say, you know, wait a minute. Like, yes, this happened, but look at this happened. And there was a discussion that we had before him, um, which so in, when I was a major in dance, they said, if you never fall in class, it means you've never actually challenged yourself to see what your edge is. Mm. And what I did with this event, okay, two years ago, we had 80 people. Last year, we had 40 people. Neither of those um, groups, there, there were definitely people who are there both years, a, a good core of my friends came, helped out, enjoyed the celebrations. Um, but there were, these were not the people I was marketing to for this event. So basically you could say I almost started from scratch to have a 250 person event. So now you imagine the huge jump that I made, right? So yeah, like I, I you know, like I got a couple like bruises and, and cuts, right? Because um, <laughs> I did something way bigger than I've done before. So my learning curve need, needs to go up way more. But again, am, am I going to focus on the little, the little tiny scratch? Actually, I did. Look, here's um. The, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Paper, the paper cut from the ticket. <laughs> Serious, no, I got a splinter from the oh. room. It was a quarter inch long splinter, and all my friends were sitting there trying to get it out, and they couldn't see it. I mean, we had to like dig in my skin to get it out. Um, <laughs> but it is. It's always easier to figure out. What, what went wrong, right? I mean, I love the example of Einstein writes 10, 10 multiplication problems on the on the chalkboard and he writes the, the 10th one intentionally wrong. And all the students are like, oh, 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 you, you got it wrong. He's like, wait, what? I got nine right. Why aren't we talking about the nine right instead of the one that we got wrong? And it, mm -hmm. it's so typical in our human experience. We so easily focus and judge, you know, have judgment about the one mistake versus yeah. 
celebrate celebrate the nine that are beautiful and perfect and obviously an event that size stuff goes wrong like stuff just doesn't work uh, you know but 99 percent of the stuff was really cool and people enjoyed themselves and had a blast and so so yeah it, i it, but it's easy right there are people that love to live in that 10 percent, that one percent they look they they love their misery and mm -hmm. if they don't have something to complain about they feel like they're missing out on something yeah, it's kind of another analogy if it helps people to say this is if you take a big uh, whiteboard and then you draw a little dot on it and it's like, are you going to look at the whole whiteboard and the full potential picture or just like zoom in on that tiny little dot, that one little thing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, sorry that you had some frustrations there, but so let's talk about the, the power of contribution. I know obviously contribution is an important part of who you are and, and mm -hmm. what you're putting out in the world, the impact you want to make in the world. Mm -hmm. So wh why is contribution so important? It's important for me. Um, I feel like I have nothing else to do. I mean, I I can easily go frolic in the forest and, and <laughs> have fun. And by the way, that is a contribution I have learned. <laughs> but I'll talk about that in a moment. Um, but that's not challenging enough for me. That's too easy. Because I did, I used to live at a yoga community for almost seven years. I was in the forest, I frolicked in the forest. Um, <laughs> it was great. <laughs> but am, am, am I really living and growing? Uh, so if I'm doing something bigger, if I'm challenging myself, um, and, and for me, the message is contribute contribute to others, contribute, contribute. Uh, and yeah, you know, I have to take care of my health. We talked about me having health issues. Like I need a sip of water right now. Um, cause it's like zero degrees in Denver. Um, <laughs> not that we have any humidity any other time either, but <laughs> I know, I know, but, um, but also what is the purpose of me having good health? All right. It's also so that I can keep contributing to others. And what I wanted to say about me frolicking in the forest, because when social media started and I could post these, I, I've been on Facebook like since the beginning, by the way. Um, but I could post th these posts of these amazing quotes from Gandhi and Mother Teresa. Right. Names that have just inspired people beyond, you know, what most of us do. And they're great quotes. I mean, earth shattering. Yeah, a few people will like it. I post a simple photo of me enjoying life after a new haircut, whatever it is. Just have a smile on my face. Hundreds of people like it. Hundred people comment on it. So our joy and in, in feeding our own selves is a contribution to others. Mm. So selfishness can be a contribution to others. And I would say for people who get caught up in selfishness, I think the bigger question is awareness of other people versus selfishness. Hmm. Well, let's say I, I want to, I'm going to dig into the selfishness because I think uh, women, especially, and, and maybe it's women that have been moms, especially um, see self care as selfish. And so there's a, and maybe it's just a perception versus a reality. But I think a lot of women feel that they have to put other people first, right? They're, 
their spouse or significant other, their children, their their job, their all these other things that they put first, and they feel like self care is is selfish. Speak to that for me. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I just got excited because I really had to think about this more deeply um, as, as a potential here. And and this this may seem a little bit stereotypical, but you did ask the question about women. Um, and and typically, you know, everyone has a certain amount of masculine and feminine energy sure. in them. Typically, women are majoring in femininity and minoring in masculinity, but it's different for a lot of people. And it's it's going that curve is going to keep flattening over time. I think that's a natural evolution that's happening. Um, but in any case, the feminine side of somebody is, is, is more intuitive and emotionally sensitive and aware of, of what's going on for other people. So the, the concept of, um, you know, and even my, my friend who called me to say, stop thinking about this about me, she, she intuitively knew I'm thinking that, right? Um, <laughs> I mean, it's her job to manage her response to that, but, <laughs> but she, she knows. So the feminine side in ourselves knows what other people are thinking and feeling. So that's the first thing. So we know if, if our kid is in agony, mm-hmm. we know if, if our partner's feeling stressed at work, you know, we, we know if they're forgetting about something. Um, so even if we're like sitting in a bath with all these candles around us, you know, this most relaxing state, we know all the pains of the world. <laughs> Some of us are more aware of that than others. <laughs> this is also why I, I, I love being awake when most people are asleep because everyone's energy calms down and then I can relax more. Um, <laughs> but that's the one side of that I want to say. And then, but why are we making the choice also to tune into those other energies before ours. Mm. And I can speak to this for, for myself, but this is also a feminine thing because feminine swims in emotions more, um, right. More consciously. Um, and that also means that we know how to handle it better. So what that also means is that we trust in our ability to handle the emotional stress. And, and so I think we, at least for me, like I, I can create some sense of disregard for what's going on with me. Cause it's like, Oh, I, know, I, I can handle that. It's all good. Like I got it, you know? So let, let me help like take care of over here and here. Cause I feel all these things going on. And, um, and, and the out, the outside uh, feeling can come across even stronger mm when it's outside yourself and when it's actually your own thing. Um, so I, I think that that's just a lot of it. I think that it's just that we, the feminine always has the awareness of, of what is going on with others and feels it. And, and we want to like, some of it's actually self-care. Like if, if we can get you out of pain, then we're not going to feel as much pain. So I've, I've had to teach myself also to change my judgment around what's going on for other people Mm. and that it's not necessarily bad. They might think it's bad, but it's not necessarily bad because if pain is only a signal, the brain saying something is wrong. So if we retrain ourselves to say, there's nothing wrong here, this is all a natural part of the growth. um, Then we can release that pain within ourselves. Mm. Well, what you mentioned was really good there. 
by 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 easing their pain, I don't have to intuitively or empathically take that pain in, and and it is um, providing some level of relief. <laughs> and so, and and I like letting go of judgment, right? That that of course leads to to more joy because you know judgment and joy can't occupy the same space. So, <laughs> good point. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so you you mentioned um, some higher level mentors, but on your journey, how have how have mentors been beneficial to you, and and how would you encourage somebody to find an appropriate mentor? Two questions. Um, I would honestly say the biggest thing that mentors have given me—they give me tons of wisdom and awareness and advice. But what's been more valuable for me? is somebody else believing in me, somebody else holding my hand and supporting me, feeling like I'm not on this journey alone. Uh, so that I personally feel is the bigger thing for me. And, and with that, though, I would say the first thing is decide, well, what do you want the mentorship or coaching for? Now, note that, and I, I switch between when I work with people, mentoring and coaching. Mentoring tells you the answers, Coaching helps you figure out the answers. Mm, good distinction. Uh, so decide beforehand, not just, you know, what type of support do you want somebody to tell you versus help you figure it out? Because uh, a lot of times when you get mentoring, when you're, for a lot of people, when they're just told, it's not going to sink in well enough. You really have to, <laughs> you have to learn from your own experience and from your own inner wisdom. Uh, and so if you have a coach who can help open that, you know, that may be more effective for you. But then what I also mentioned was I, I like feeling like I'm, I'm not alone. Right. Um, and so what I'm going to want is is to think about, do I have a good relationship with this person? Um, because if they're going to be my partner and not feeling alone, you know, I want to feel like I enjoy them, like I feel positively supported and nourished by them. Um, but if I was like, I need someone to kick my butt, you know, stoke the fire, get me moving, right? That's a different type of personality. Or, or if it's like, I need to learn how to do this specific thing, um, then I'm going to find a mentor who knows the steps and can lay them out for you. And, and I, it, what you'll find is that most likely you're going to use a team, of people. I worked with two coaches this week. And I love this. One of them, he dove into the overall structure of my business and, and was like, you know, there's three types of key roles for your business. There's a, the artist, the, the entrepreneur, and, and the manager. And you're doing all three. <laughs> like, you, but well, who else is there? <laughs> you're the artist. So if you really want to leverage and grow, you need to find the entrepreneur and the manager. Okay. Then I go to the, the next, and I said the same thing from the start. Like I, I really, this went really well and I really love to see this other thing grow. Right. So this other guy, he just goes right into that thing. He's like, well, what are, what are you doing to make it grow? And, and he's like, you just, you just need to change this one little step in your funnel, <laughs> you know, but it, it was, yeah, you had to work with these two different people to get those two different pieces of advice. Absolutely. But I think the strongest thing, I'm a huge fan of borrowed belief. And anytime we can have somebody that 
believes in us more than we do just just for that period of growth just for that period of action to 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 take action that that either we're afraid of or we just don't feel ready for the the power of somebody's belief in us that just helps us take those steps um, that we likely wouldn't take on our own uh, mm -hmm. is so so in, empowering and encouraging and i i believe that that is one of the strongest values of a mentor is is that the power of borrowed borrowed belief That's so let's talk beautiful. about that character level um you've you've obviously grown a lot in your understanding and, and personal development and but character for for an entrepreneur for a business owner um, and and obviously you're in the room with lots of lots of people right you mentioned that the first two years it, it wasn't the audience that, that you're after right and, and how do you identify that that group how do you how do you label <laughs> Who, who this is that really can have the most add the most value to the experience you're trying to create yeah well what I would say what happened was the first two years was I was marketing to the audience that I was in mm. um and and the one two years ago it, it, it was completely appropriate um and and I would still love to market to them and have them be involved. And over the pandemic, I learned that a majority of them have a different political belief than me. And it just wasn't going to work <laughs> to market to them because there was a bridge that I wasn't interested in crossing for them. So when we're thinking about the community, one thing is just, is there a match? Mm. And, um, and, and while I, I love them, you know, it, it's, I want to get the most bang for my buck. And, and so is that community where that political belief is going to prevent them from joining me, is that really the, the, the place that I want to focus the most of my attention? Wow. Uh, so that ju that's just an example of it. And then last year, we're in the middle of a pandemic. I'm still new to Denver, so I'm still meeting people and I'm being coming friends with the people who are available to me. And... And so it, it was still it was still a new community, you, you know, you could say. Uh, but here we are, time for Valentine's Day. Some of them want to plan an event with me. They kind of notice that, you know, I'm an influencer, that I can make those things happen. Um, and so, of course, we, we market within that community. And I think it was only that last week before the event where it was really, really solidifying more quickly. You know, I'd already had questions for the last few months, but it was really solidifying more quickly you know, I don't think this is really my community. Like, here's the things where I feel like our personal interests are are different. And it's not as exciting, you know, for, for me personally to be around them. They might not be that excited about me also. <laughs> um, but I'm going to give them the best event that I can, you know, because mm -hmm. this, this is where we are. This is the commitment you could say that we've made to each other. So that that that, that door is done and the door opens. And for me to say, okay, well, you know, what do I want here? Uh, well, who who am I? And this is, I started a whole new community, Robert, um, out, out of going through these experiences. And I got a bit depressed before I sort of pulled out of it because it was sitting there and I'm sitting with my coach going, I haven't gotten myself out of this funk yet. 
Like, what else do I need to do? And finally, we both at the same time were like, you have to create the community. So I just, I start finding what are the things that I want? And then I invited the people who, who I felt most matched that in my life. Like I maybe invited 15 to 20 people, you know, so eight to 10 people are coming. We met for six weeks and I just kept asking them, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want from community, you know, from other people? What else do you want in your life? But basically what can we give you? There was some teaching involved in there too. Cause remember we talked a lot about independence of actually like finding within your own self what you want. Um, so there's a, you know, a balance of that, which is also why we have a communications program as part of the group called how to love and be loved. Um, well, you gotta love, you gotta love yourself before you can be loved. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So there's a, a the, the two way, or you could say three way, you know, for those, those who feel like there's also a relationship with the divine or spirit. Um, and it's so I think that's what I did is, is just sat down with with myself first and then with the people closest to me and then created the community based off of that from from a, a pinnacle of inspiration and desire and from a more conscious place. Whereas previously it was it was more people who I happened to be around in that moment. Um, versus saying, no, what do I want to be around? Nice. And then see, do you magnetize that? Because mm -hmm. I might not have. I might have needed to redirect again. So far, it's nice. going pretty well. I'm really excited for all the people who came in and all the things that we're going to be creating together. So how do routines help you in your in your life? Routine? I'm a woman. Um <laughs> Oh, I'm a free spirited woman. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. That's a routine. It's a choice. No, I, I wanted to make the joke because I used to be more routine oriented than I am now. Um, because I use, so there, there's a lot of advice and, and sort of paths that are given us towards success that are actually more suitable for our masculine energy, hmm. not our feminine energy. So I've had to unlearn a little bit of routine um, in order to create more space for the, the flexibility that the, the feminine nature is. Um, so it's kind of like if you want to get water to the city, then you're going to carve out the waterways with like really well-constructed walls and all the lifts and locks and channels and, and you know and whatnot and dams and they're going to go up and down at the right time but they, they have to go up and down <laughs> anyways because the feminine side nature you know it doesn't consistently like what is this winter we're getting snow every week you know but the first half of the winter we didn't see any snow and now it's every week and it's zero degrees and before that we were still walking out in just a light shirt um <laughs> you know, <laughs> it wasn't that cold yet. That's the the feminine, you know, energy and the feminine nature. So if you just you leave nature to itself and you want water to come to the city, um, it might come sometimes. It might not come <laughs> at other times. So the routine steps in and says, no, we're going to navigate and we're going to make that happen. So that's like, what, what do you do first thing in the morning? Okay. So sometimes you wake up 
and you don't feel that good. And sometimes you wake up and you feel phenomenal. Um, but when you have a routine to say, well, I have this practice that I do in the morning. Um, and one of the ways that I, I play with that is that I have a variety of practices. Uh, so there's still a practice in the morning, but I get to change it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure it's the masculine feminine arguing. I think it's the engineer and the artist. <laughs> well, but, they're, but they are masculine and feminine too anyways, right? <laughs> it's kind of because it's the engineer, right? The engineering side of me, it, it constructed. But, you know, in, in, in dance, because um, that's the artist of me, right? The dancer. And, and we were taught sort of how to hold structure versus softness. Because if, if we were a, a, a strong, thick board, right, and a wind comes, if we're performing outside, it just tips the whole thing over. So if we still have that sort of some flexibility, then we just mold around the wind, and then we still hold the balance and we stay on the routine. <laughs> it just well, changes a little bit of the way we do it. Yeah, and, and you don't want to look stiff as a board because that's not appealing versus actually appearing soft while being hard and, you know, figure skating is, is very similar, right? They, mm. They're doing incredibly hard work and incredibly hard things, but if they're in, in flow and they're in, in that place of everything appears soft. Yeah. 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 So good. <laughs> All right. So how important is play and fun? <laughs> Doesn't it depend on um, each person? Of course. But for you, how important is play and fun? I don't <laughs> expect does. everyone to give me the same answer. That would be lame. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, it does. It does go up and down a bit, but I want to, I want to phrase this in, in different ways. Also, um, I, I probably have a high fun meter, um, you know, really? Like, if I'm going to sit at a desk and work nine to five every day of the week, every week, um, I'm going to have motivational issues. <laughs> uh, but if I'm doing all these, like, exciting things, um, you know, alongside that, then I'm good. But if we look at the Valentine's story, I didn't just work nine to five Monday through Friday. I mean, the, I, I worked <laughs> every day of the week, all day during waking hours. And then the last two weeks, just, 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 you know, there, there wasn't any need for sleep. Um, <laughs> and I would have liked at least a tiny bit of, of time for fun, but I actually had like scheduled in fun and I couldn't do it because I, I was like, there's all this stuff to get done for this event, but but the point was, I was so excited about what the Valentine's Story was creating. And I had so much fun in the process of what I was doing and in all the interactions with all of the people who I was working with that the fun got mixed into the work. I pretty much don't do any work that isn't fun anyways. So I don't mind the word work because... I only choose work that I like. <laughs> That's a great way to go. Mm -hmm. All right, Avatar, what's the big dream? Mm 
Like, do you want to know the truth? Yes. <laughs> because when you go to personal development training and they like tell you, you have to create a list of what you want and your goals and the very clear, and I'm very good at helping people create them. I have a list. Um, <coughs> I don't really care. So. <laughs> well, what is your dream? Regardless dream. of how they tell you to interpret it, I want to know. What... <laughs> the bigger dream is discovering inner happiness. Mm. That's what's important. The other dreams help give me action of something to do on my daily life, to do with myself in this world. Hmm. But the freedom of then finding a lot of that joy and having so many tools to get myself there when I'm not quite there means that whatever goals I set, I don't have to feel as attached to them because they're not necessarily a need. Hmm. So it's a little more fun in the process. Do you know part of why the Valentine's story had to be so big this year? I'll tell you the secret, the top sort of dream goal that I've created, you know, for on paper for all these courses. Because <laughs> I, I had to create something that doesn't seem possible um, and something that I don't even necessarily believe that I'm capable of, that I'd be valuable enough uh, for, because then it's worth going for. It's to speak for 100,000 people, but live all in person. And, it, and, you know, I'm talking about this in the middle of the pandemic when nobody wants to be around anybody. But <laughs> it's, we're going to get past this. Um, and we already are doing things with each other. But here I am thinking like 100,000. And I mean, what's behind that is, is that I can, it, it's really that my heart is so big that it wants to impact that many people. So I will be honest, like when I'm on a stage and I'm speaking or performing, the bigger the audience, it's like, Oh, yes, like the more freedom and the amount of energy that can flow out of me. So, so I'm just saying that, you know, what's behind that? But, but again, it creates direction. It's like, all right, 100,000. And I'm like, okay, well, I've been on this same level for a while now. Number of people at my events, number of people I'm speaking for. So, what's one way I can jump it up? Woo. And I, I made the goal to have over 200 tickets sold at the event. So we had 250 people there, including people who were working the event. Um, so you could say, I, you know, in terms of number of people there, I exceeded that for the event. Um, but anyways, that that's part of the goal, too. Is what, what's going to make you create the jump and create the action is, is then I thought about what are the steps to get there and how exciting it was in the process of creating the Valentine story and going for something even bigger than what I've gone for before. Oh, that's so terrific. And of course, it, it led to a great result. It did. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so you've spent an hour with an entrepreneur and just having coffee, sharing stories, and you want to leave them with Avatel's words of wisdom. What would you share? I don't know if they're my words, or the words coming in my head. <laughs> we get really esoteric. Um, the words are love yourself. Mm. I know it can be easier said than done. 
And I mentioned before there's an onion with layers to peel. And we've talked about the impact of coaching, the impact of awareness about yourself, of awareness of what you complain about. Um, use that as the tools to fuel greater understanding of how you can love yourself more. Mm, so good. Avatar, thank you so much for joining me today. What a great conversation and so much wisdom that you shared. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. addvaluemindset.com. In our next episode, Tanya Pluckrose and I connect on so many levels. If you get the mindset right, you'll figure out the strategy. Our thought life is so important, and so few take the time to truly think. We are creative beings with incredible power to create our own destiny and Tanya is equipping as many as possible to follow that path.